on this episode of Adventures in Being Gifted. I think that if we really want to solve um, problems within the world, uh, that we need to help our students not just be consumers of massive amounts of information. But you have to take that information, and I think that you really have to apply it uh, in some way that's going to be meaningful. Uh, that's how you leave your mark on the world. That's how you make a difference. If you're only just consuming stuff, then you're not leaving something behind. That and a whole lot more coming up. Today on Adventures in Being Gifted, we are talking about creativity, curiosity, and a little bit of technology. Our guest is a self-proclaimed geek. He strives to learn something new every day, advocates for gifted children, an author, a speaker, a pop culture junkie, and he loves fonts. That's right. We are interviewing Dr. Brian Hausend, and he is currently the coordinator of the Academically or Intellectually Gifted Program at UNC Wilmington. He also is an educational consultant. He works with schools, districts, and educational organizations around the country and around the world. And he really focuses on bringing together technology, but, you know, that changes. So more so creativity and curiosity into the learning environment. One thing to note is that he studied and worked with Dr. Joe Renzulli and Dr. Sally Reese at the University of Connecticut during his graduate work and doctorate work there. So we are so excited to have this conversation with Brian. Welcome, Brian. Thank you so much for being with us today. It is an absolute pleasure to be here with uh, with y'all. All right. We want to play a fun game that's inspired by one of our favorite podcasts, Smartless. It's called Quick, Quick, Quick. So we're going to give you a category and you need to give us three things and preferably your favorite from that category. Oh, I, I am I am really nervous about this. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. All right. The first category is movies. Quick, quick, quick. Movies. Um, so we will go with um, Star Wars. Um uh, 2001, uh, and um, uh, Toy Story. All right. All right. <laughs> quick, quick, quick. Your f- three favorite Disney characters. Three favorite Disney characters. Uh, well, I mean, we could start with Mickey uh, and go with that. Uh, I, I am also um, very fond of uh, Moana. And um, let's go also with... Um, with sadness. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right, next topic. What are three things you think people should know about gifted education? Three things that people should know about gifted education. Um, number one, um, it means a lot of different things. Um, I am very fond of the phrase uh, in working with my students uh, when they're learning about gifted education uh, of the phrase, it depends. Um, I use that over and over again because people start looking for a definition and they try and make it this very simple thing and it is way more complicated than it than it actually is. Thing number two, giftedness exists over the span of a lifetime. Uh, it's not just gifted students. It's not just gifted kids. You can be a gifted adult. Thing number three uh, is that gifted individuals exist in 
every setting. There are people that excel, uh, people that are in need of more. Uh, and I think that we need to start recognizing that talent uh, and that potential and really looking for ways that we can develop, develop that in every single setting. Let's be sure to come back to that. I was just thinking that. <laughs> yes. We will definitely come Those back to that. Those were such great answers. All right. Last one. Quick, quick, quick. Three favorite podcasts. Three favorite podcasts. Uh, I really like um, the podcast that um, that Ken Jennings does uh, with, uh, I'm, I'm totally like blanking on the name of it. I, I feel like that I need to learn it up. It's called um, The Omnibus. Uh, so he does that. Uh, he's, it's kind of this archive for future generations um they they have like a really interesting kind of scenario that they um, that they do with that i also listen pretty regularly to um, i should just probably like look at my uh look at my podcast list because you know i'm, I'm drawing <laughs> giant blanks here so yeah so i'm falling in a friend now so omnibus uh stuff you should know uh is the other one that i always listen to uh and i also really like 99 invisible hmm. never heard of that one yeah, so um, it's really about kind of the import, um, the design of pretty much everything, things within the world that we don't think that are necessarily designed, uh, and really kind of the process that goes into that. Because there is intentional planning in absolutely everything that we interact with, uh, and the best kind of design is when it is ninety nine percent invisible, that we, it just completely goes away, uh, and that we don't focus on kind of the structures that are in place, um, but that it just functions without us necessarily having to think about it. It's a good cool. point. Yeah. Good point. Nice. All right. How do you like the game? It would be more fun to be on your side of the microphone. <laughs> than to be on this side. If you come up with a quick, quick, quick category for us later, feel free to interject. Um, You're welcome to okay. play it now that you know how to play. It's always good I, I, for a little icebreaker. I will. I will definitely throw that out at some point. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, can we go back in time and have you tell us a little bit about your background story? Because you have a pretty incredible bio on your website. And what caught our attention was the fact that you managed a video store in Atlanta, then became a teacher, mm -hmm. which we'd love to hear a little bit of that tidbit. And then you ended up going to grad school and get your, getting your doctorate at UConn. And then, yep. obviously, working with Joe Ranzulli. So that is pretty cool stuff. We want to know all about it. Yeah. So do you want the uh, super long version or the, uh, or, the, or the super short version? You tell us. You pick. Yeah. Depends on your time. Okay. Bridged with some fun yeah, facts. We, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we will, we will go a, with some fun combo. facts. Um, so um, so I'm, I, I'm an only child. I grew up in gifted programs. I am also the, the first person in my family to graduate from college. Congrats. Um, and so I went to the um, the University of Georgia, uh, and I wanted to pick. I wanted to be the coolest thing possible as a major. Uh, so I majored. Uh, I majored in English. And so I got that degree. Uh, at that point, I realized that I was qualified to do absolutely nothing. Uh, so I was looking for a job, you know, as one does. And um, at that point, then I was like, oh, okay, I, I can find this job. I can manage a video store. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> and it was the early 90s. So it was kind of like the glory days. Oh, yeah. uh, it was like an independent <laughs> independent movie store, like every stereotype um, that you probably have about an independent movie store in the early 90s um, is absolutely true. Um, so it was... I, like a super slow day. And uh, I was like, what, what am I doing with my life? 
and what what really comes next. Uh, and we happen to be watching um, ABC's Schoolhouse Rock uh, in the store <laughs> that day. And uh, we're, I was kind of like, we were all singing, just like living, you know, the golden years. Uh, <laughs> and I was, you know, just kind of singing along. And I was like, yeah, I, I really want to do something like that. How do I, how do I get that job? Uh, and I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I should be a teacher. Uh, and so that's pretty much how that happened. Um, so I went back um, to the University of Georgia and got a degree um, in elementary education, then became a, a fourth grade classroom teacher and fell into gifted education shortly after that. And then it was just a whole series wow. of kind of uh, happy accidents uh, and serendipitous mm -hmm. moments along the way. So then what caused you to go to UConn? Um, so, um, I went, so I got certified to teach, um, gifted, uh, in Georgia. Um, I worked in a large district uh, in the Metro Atlanta area. So we had the opportunity to do professional learning, um, through our district, uh, Carolyn Coyle, uh, who was an educational consultant, uh, in gifted ed for many, many years. Uh, she publishes books for pieces of learning. Uh, she was my teacher. No way. Uh, so yeah, so Is she, she uh, so she, like in yeah, Atlanta? So she's okay, like from, yeah, so she's okay. like from the area and okay. then she was my teacher. Um, wow. Her, her, oh wait, I'm trying to remember. Her son is married to George Betts's daughter. And then it was kind of a weird coincidence. Yeah. Uh, that was back in the year um, 2000. NAGC, uh, the National Association for Gifted Children, had their annual conference um, in Atlanta uh, that year. So, I started kind of this gifted licensure thing. I learned all about these traits and characteristics and behaviors um, that pretty much explained my life. Mm -hmm. um, and then NAGC came to town and I was like, wait, why hasn't anyone told me about all of these things before? And now there's this national conference with like people who've devoted their life to doing this. Um, I, I want to be, I want to be a part of that. So I went, um, I stalked every name, that was in the book that I had read about. And um, yeah, I mean, from there, then I went to um, the University of Connecticut uh, for their three summers master's program, which is what it was called at the time. Uh, and then sort of had a similar experience of being in the intro course. And uh, Sally Reese kind of pulled me aside and she's like, yeah, I think you would be you know, a great candidate for a PhD program. You should totally do this. And um, it's like, yeah, all, all right, well, we will do that. Uh, while in three summers, I um, also met my wife. Uh, she was a year ahead of me. Um, so I was in Georgia. She was living and teaching in California, and we met in Connecticut. Uh, and then we both, uh, after we finished the program, went and started uh, the PhD program together at UConn. So it's been been a pretty fun ride. That's a magical story. <laughs> All right. So now, fast forward to today, we know that you are an education consultant and you also work at UNC Wilmington. So what else kind of do you do on a daily basis that our audience needs to know all about? Um, I do a lot of different things, um, and I would not recommend doing that. <laughs> uh, on the day-to-day -day basis, um, I mean, it's, sometimes it's pretty confusing. Um, I think that for many of our gifted learners, um, we see that they have this thing called multipotentiality. Uh, there's a variety of different things that they are really interested in and they want to go in a thousand different directions and do all, all of the things. I am really trying to come to terms with, uh, I can't do all of the things. And uh, I try and focus on the things that I really want to do versus the things that 
um, that I don't want to do. Uh, and I know that that comes from really a place of privilege. Uh, I feel incredibly fortunate to be able to get to do that. Um, but it's also a tremendous amount of work. Uh, I mean, teaching courses uh, is great. Uh, I really enjoy that. Uh, I'm grateful that it's all online. And then I also really like just developing new content, um, stuffing my brain with a ton of new information on a daily basis, and just kind of thinking about ways that you can take some interesting ideas and incorporate them into a variety of different learning environments, ways that I can sort of synthesize the information for teachers of the gifted, um, because um, frankly, I, I know that you probably don't have the time uh, in order to make that happen. Um, so if I can do some of that heavy lifting for you uh, and give you some ideas, um, then uh, I feel, again, just incredibly fortunate to, to have that sort of as my main job. Um, and it's the more that I consume, the more that I synthesize, the more that I create, then hopefully the better it's going to be for a, a great number of teachers out there. And we appreciate it for sure. Um, we're wondering one thing, where do you get a lot of your information? Like, are you a big Reddit person? Like, where where are you just getting your day-to-day up, updates, things like that? Yeah, I, um, I mean, I subscribe to a bunch of different kind of email news lists. I have like a several different um, kind of news feeds that I go through uh, on a pretty regular basis. Um, any, I also Any uh, that you'd recommend? I mean, nothing in particular. Um, I, I read a lot of Wired Magazine uh, and Mental Floss um, just for like the randomness of that. Uh, and I'm constantly looking for things that pique my own curiosity and the, my own interest. Uh, and so I kind of feel like, oh, well, if I'm connecting with this, then maybe there's, you know, a gifted teacher or a gifted kid who's out there who's also going to connect with those same same types of things. So it's, I think, just really a, mostly about consuming massive amounts of, um, of information uh, and then seeing what's going to fit. Um, I would say, you know, 95% of it, like, doesn't belong anywhere. Um, and it's really looking for those opportunities to kind of connect uh, connect things and create just those things that don't feel like that they belong together that actually make sense when they come together. Absolutely. So you are best known, at least in our gifted world, of your passion for creativity and for mm-hmm. curiosity. So do you mind just kind of telling us how you got to be so passionate about it? What do you love about yeah, it? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that the creativity piece is, that one's just so much fun to talk about. Uh, the thing that I really love about Gifted Land uh, and Gifted Education is that it's uh, it's a lot of different things. And, you know, in working primarily with, um, as a professional developer or as a trainer of teachers, or um, I, although I don't really like either of those terms, um, I, I think that w- what we're really doing is trying to help educators understand how better to serve their students uh, or their learners. And uh, what I really like talking about is the creativity piece. Uh, There's a lot within Gifted Ed um, that I have to teach. I mean, as part of like our licensure courses here within North Carolina, um, it's fine. Uh, You know, we can certainly talk about identification. Uh, It's not my favorite thing to talk about. Uh, and there's a lot of other people that do it far better than I ever will. Uh, and I'm really grateful for those people. Uh, the thing that I really like about 
the field is that there are so many different people doing so many specialized things. Um, and so it really honors that we get to be talented or interested in a wide variety of different things. We don't have to do all of the things ourselves. So for me, creativity has always been the most fun to talk about. Uh, I think that it's the most interesting. I think that it's most uh, the most applicable uh, in a variety of different settings. So I, I think that just carries throughout uh, life. So thinking gifted, beyond gifted, just in general, what why, or I shouldn't say what, why is it so important that we push and enhance the creativity in kids? Like, why is this age level, especially the elementary, middle school age, why is it so critical? Why do you believe it's so critical to just give kids an opportunity to tap into their creativity and curiosity too? Yeah, I think that, I, I think that, like Jaron Zilli really, I mean, he said so many amazing things over the years. It's um, it's kind of mind boggling. Um, but one of the one of the things that I really like that Joe talked about um, has talked about a lot is um, transitioning students from just being consumers of information to being producers. Uh, and I think that if we really want to solve um, problems within the world, uh, that we need to help our students not just be consumers of massive amounts of information. Yeah, that's part of it. You have to do that. I mean, that's kind of what I said. Oh, that's what I spend the majority of my day doing. Uh, and it's fun. Um, but you have to take that information. And I think that you really have to apply it uh, in some way that's going to be meaningful. Uh, that's how you leave your mark on the world. That's how you make a difference. Yeah. If you're only just consuming stuff, then you're not leaving something behind mm -hmm. uh, that you really have to move in order to that creative producer that's out there. We also, I think, have to teach ourselves and our students in order to be more critical consumers of the information that they're that they're digesting. Not everything that they read on the internet is going to be true or even useful. And really kind of balancing that out with with things that are going to be good for us to read and really help us grow as humans uh, will be uh, will be really, really beneficial. You have a couple PD courses that you offer for a really awesome price. We are really impressed with that choice of yours. Can you tell us a little bit about your courses that you have right now that anybody could take that has to do with sure, creativity yeah. and curiosity? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for asking about that. So um, during, um, during COVID, um, and I was really looking for what, some ways to deliver professional learning uh, in some different formats. So I created a couple of these um, during that time, um, working on a couple of others that will be released uh, hopefully within the next few months. Uh, and what I wanted to do is essentially take what I would offer in like a six-hour in-person professional learning workshop uh, and transform that into something that would take place um, in an online environment. During 2020, um, I was getting asked to do kind of a lot of webinars, a lot of like, oh, can you deliver some professional learning for us? And we want it to be like a six hour on Zoom, hmm. sitting all day <laughs> kind of thing. I was, like, I was like, no, I cannot do that. I will not do that. That is a horrible, horrible idea. Um, please, no, just <laughs> don't, don't do that. And so I was like, you know, there's really got to be a better way. Uh, and so 
you know, I took what I knew about adult learning. Uh, I took what I knew about uh, instructional technology uh, and just uh, curriculum design. And I said, how can we create something that's going to be actually interesting and really useful uh, for educators? Uh, and so I, I kind of took those workshop uh, activities and then moved them into this platform that I call Gifted 360. Uh, so it's divided up into some different modules. There's short video segments. Uh, each video segment is in like the five-minute range because um, the research uh, has shown time and time again that once videos go over six to nine minutes in length, mm. um, that you're down to about 20% of your audience actually listening. So at this portion of the program, we're down <laughs> We're going to stop. <laughs> uh, no. And so you really have to deliver that information, make it uh, interesting and meaningful, give the people something to do, kind of reflecting on it, pausing, um, making it very applicable as they move through that. Uh, so it equates out to about three, six hours or 360 minutes, uh, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to call it Gifted 360. Uh, I also call it 360 because I want it to really sort of be this all-encompassing or kind of circular professional learning experience uh, so that it's about you, it's about your learners and how you're going to change what you're doing within your classroom. I also wanted it to be super affordable, uh, as uh, as you mentioned there, Jill. Yes, thank uh, you. So, yeah, so, we all are thanking so you. I, yeah, so I figured, you know, hey, it's about six hours. Uh, let's price it at $59, which works out to about $10. Uh, an hour. You get professional learning credit out of that. And it's way cheaper than going to most in-person conferences. For sure. <laughs> you got that. And you don't have to get a sub. Right. So yeah, throw out your website for us real quick. Where do we find these courses? Yeah. So it's over at gifted360.com. Uh, that's gifted360.com. Awesome. Let's dive into yes. some AI right. chat GPT, because I know that that is a hot topic for just about everyone nowadays. And as you said earlier, things like that are changing by the day. And we just want to know kind of where you're at with it. And of course, give your pitch for it, because we have some colleagues that are a little hesitant to try it or to even use it um, as a tool. So just give us your, spe your spiel. Yeah, so uh, early on, like within Gifted Land, the thing that I was kind of known for first was really talking about technology. Uh, and I got tired of talking about technology because it was changing like all the time. And then it was like, oh, Brian's going to go to the conference and Brian's going to show us all the apps. Uh, and I felt, I, I don't know, really kind of like I was hmm. cheating, like I wasn't really like doing anything with that. Um, so I kind of stopped talking about it for a while, and then ChatGPT happened, um, November 30th, 2022. So it's not even at this point that we're recording, this is not even a year old. Yeah, that's what I was uh, thinking. And it has changed absolutely everything. Uh, I think that the thing that we have to realize about technology is that it's not going to go away. Every time that we think that it's going to, then it doesn't. Uh, it just becomes more integrated into our everyday lives. Um, I mean, back at the turn of the century, we were worried about the Y2K bug and really a very small percentage of the population owned uh, a cell phone. Smartphones had not been invented at that point. And I've seen, like I've seen this film before. We tried to say, we're not gonna use Google in the classroom. Oh, we're gonna not use Wikipedia in the classroom. Um, oh, we're gonna stop and try to shut down social media. Like, no, it's there. Our kids are gonna use it. We need to figure out how to help them use it responsibly. 
Um, also, I mean, ChatGPT and the other AI tools that are out there, I mean, they are incredibly powerful and they're only going to get more powerful. And I know that that scares a lot of people, but let's think about what it is that they can do for us. I mean, they can do things like, you know, say, for example, that you've got a kid who is only interested in Pokemon and uh, and also for some strange reason, archaeology. You could ask ChatGPT to come up with like 10 different project ideas um, that would meet the student's needs, connect it with your state standards, can have them develop lesson plans, um, design rubrics, suggest experts within the field that they could connect with. ChatGPT can also do grading for you. It can write letters and emails to your families or community members talking about the great things that you're doing within your classrooms. ChatGPT can serve as kind of a, a peer tutor or like a thought partner for those students that have like 10,000 questions that you do not have time to answer. Yeah, uh, You can kind of pair them up with that. And I'm not saying that that's the only interaction that they have, but it can help um, I think have some of those um, those curiosity provoking moments um, that can carry them over the course of a lifetime instead of saying, no, I don't have time to answer that or because and leaving that as your answer. Yeah, those are really good suggestions. Yeah, and I even you mentioned in, when we heard you speak about chat, B, chat GPT at OAGC. Blah, blah, blah. Um, well, that's like, a lot of letters. That was how you can help it with writing rubrics. And there's just so many things that teachers can use it for as far as tools to help in the classroom that aren't letting it mm-hmm. teach for you, but right. do a lot of that work. Yeah. I think that it's, we have to recognize that it's a tool. It's not going to you create all of the answers for us. Should not be creating all of the answers for our students uh, either. And nor really for anyone. But I think that it's yet another and a long line of powerful tools that we have access to. And we just have to think about ways that we can use that responsibly. And we also, again, kind of going back to the idea of being a critical consumer, just because Google gives you an answer or Siri responds to what your, what your questions are, our chat GPT is able to spit out, you know, an entire lesson plan or a unit plan, like within 10 seconds. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily any good. Uh, we, I think, really have to have that critical eye and really assess what's going on with that and saying, is this meeting my needs? Is this accurate information? Do I trust it? And why do I trust it? And really evaluating that and using evidence along the way in order to support your thinking. And I think, too, it helps whoever's using it. If we're using it as the facilitator in the room with the students while they're researching like we have with our third graders, it really helps everyone to become a better question asker. Because if Mm -hmm. we don't get what we like, then we're just going to ask it in a better way or in a different way. Mm -hmm. We also have had fun playing around with doing the the prompting, you know, making a super prompter and just getting it to have like a personality and have it to kind of interact with our students at their level. So our students are eight, Mm -hmm. nine. So we have a lot of fun with them typing it, you know, we type it in for them and they're sitting there reading it with us. We kind of use it together, but it's, it's just a lot of fun to just see what comes up and in the way, the, the playful way that we kind of program it to do. So it's a, it's just a lot of fun. We're having a good time with just testing it out here and there. Obviously, you know, thinking about the age limit and things like that with our third graders, but we are the ones actually typing it in. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's really, you know, 
that's a healthy way to ap- approach it. Uh, let's let's look at things sort of in this playful manner of like, what's possible? You know, what what could this do? Uh, and really, I think learning to ask better questions is a skill that's going to carry over in so many different domains. Uh, again, over the course of a lifetime, um, there's well, there's a lot of skill in asking good questions or creating good prompts. And I, I, I find that some of my best kind of AI GPT experiences are really when it becomes very conversational. Yes. Uh, so it's like, you know, well, that we have a lot of back and forth. It's not really about just typing in one thing and, you know, getting those results back. I mean, hopefully we learn that from Google uh, and looking at some of the new literacies research that was done back in the early 2000s. Uh, on how people search the internet, but it seems like we're having that going to have that same conversation again, and realizing that hey, you can't just type in one thing and expect that to be a hundred percent the answer that you're looking for. Right, right, all right. So tell us kind of your vision about combining technology and the creativity for all students, and what can teachers and districts do? Well, I mean, I think that technology sort of using that as a uh, as a global term it's it's the tools that we have access to today you know if you think about you know that most of us are carrying around you know this incredibly powerful computer device within you know our pockets and keeping that constantly within the palm of our hands or within reach uh, you have to think about all the things that you can do with that uh, i mean you literally could make a motion picture and distribute that to the world with just that one single device. Mm. And there's a lot of responsibility that comes with power like that. Uh, and I think that we need to be having kind of those conversations of how do we, how do, we do that responsibly? Um, mm-hmm. What uh, Let's have some conversation around, around that. Uh, and really looking and learning from, from our students, uh, from, our, from the kids that are in our classroom. I think that we have to realize and just recognize and maybe even just accept that our kids are far beyond where where we will ever be. Yeah. Like we, we if if we're trying to lead the way, we we've lost we've lost that race. Yeah, we've just gotta um, get out of the way. Let them like we gotta get out lead. of the way. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and and realize that we need to model that lifelong learning with them to show, hey, you know, we don't as adults always have the answers, but let's get in there. Let's play together. Let's work through this uh, and let's create something. I think that from the technology standpoint, then they're going to be able to seemingly pick up the use of de- the devices more adeptly than often we can as adults. Um, that's not necessarily saying that all young people are, you know, super tech savvy. And I think that maybe our role as educators um, is to help them elevate their product that they're producing. Uh, really talking about, well, you know, why is this website that you've just created? Why is that a good thing? Or why is this, uh, this YouTube channel uh, a good thing? Or this video game or app that you designed, uh, how can we make it better? Uh, where's your, where's your audience? Uh, where's, uh, where's sort of the authenticity within that? Mm. Which goes along the lines of the design process, which is uh, a process that we use with our students to help them with yeah. that idea of feedback and improvement. Yeah. And that, 
I think it's really important. I mean, whether we're talking about technology or we're talking about creating something in, in general, the design process is something that cuts across all domains. Right. Uh, and it, it really is about that planning for things. Uh, and it's also looking for, for ways that we can improve the products that we're creating, realizing that your first draft is probably not going to be your best draft. Uh, <laughs> and, and I mean, far too many of our gifted kids fall into the, um, especially in educational settings, fall into the one and done kind of category. Like I did that one time. What are you, what are you talking about? That's not the greatest thing that you've ever, ever seen. Uh, and we have to help them move beyond that. Yeah. And I think the design process lends itself to the idea of doing more than one attempt. And I think that's mm -hmm. been helpful for our young third graders when we're using it with them, because by the time they get to the older grades, even two years you know, ahead in fifth grade, the, the students we're working with this year, you can just see a little bit more of like, nope, I'm okay. I don't need to do the editing process. <laughs> like, well, maybe you need to when you have 96 spelling errors. <laughs> like maybe you're going to need to check that. <laughs> yes. Okay. So as we're closing up, we have just a, one or two more questions. We want to sure. know what you want to be known for in the gifted world as we talked earlier about leaving that legacy behind? I want to be known, I want to be known as somebody that helped. Hmm. I want to be known as somebody who had some ideas that uh, helped teachers, parents connect with their kids better, that gave them something to um, spark their own curiosity, that gave them something that help them understand themselves and their friends and families better. And I think you can say you've done that at this point. I like to think so. Um, but um, I, I, I know that there's, there's still a lot more work to, to do. Um, and I think that helping teachers really see that potential in all of their students, hmm. uh, helping them to recognize what their students can do uh, and helping every learner figure out the things that they're passionate about and helping them to develop those those talents and those interests over over long periods of time uh, that we I think that we just have to do that uh, and recognize that that the role of a teacher um, is that it, it it's pretty it's pretty precious and special. Um, I mean, we get the opportunity to, uh, you know, interact with these uh, amazing young people for the course of like a year hmm. and we, we have them there. And I think that it's our job is, is to look at each and every one of them and, and realize how are we going to make their world better? Um, how are we going to help them create um, these lasting memories? And so that they're creating an, an impact. And if I can help, a teacher, you know, see that potential within uh, within the student, then I feel like that I've done a pretty good job. Yes, that is inspirational. And yes, that is something that Jill and I also strive for every single day and the students that we see. And we agree. couldn't agree yeah, more. Like we Absolutely. want all educators to do that. And we hope that they do. Yeah. All right. What is something I, you wish we have asked you, but we didn't? 
I, you know, I was really hoping that we could have a really in-depth conversation about fonts. Ooh. We did hear you love fonts. <laughs> I, I really do love fonts. Tell us um, more. Fonts, <laughs> fonts matter. Fonts save lives. Um, <laughs> that needs to be on so a yeah. sticker. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, my my favorite font, um, the one that I use pretty much in every presentation, um, is called Avenir. Uh I, I really like it because it's um, it, it's a I think a fancier, more sophisticated version of Helvetica, mm. uh, which many people would point to as like the greatest font of all time. Um, the thing <laughs> that I don't like about Hel- Helvetica, and I know this might be a little controversial, uh, is I don't like like the dot on the I. Mm. Uh, also, the period. Um, yes. It's uh, it's either a line or it's like now. a square. <laughs> it's a square when you have it like in its in its heavy weight. Thing that I like about um, Avenir is that um, those dots, uh, the period, the dot over the eye, uh, it's a perfect circle. Uh, also, the O, uh, the capital O, uh, is just this beautiful round <laughs> kind of donut, uh, and so that that just makes me really happy. Um, it looks really good on a slide, um, so I, I'm very fond I of love that. It. All right, I'm gonna have to try that one out. <laughs> that is the best last answer to this question that we have had. I'm here to please. Oh, my gosh. Well, we are going to let you go because you have a lot of work to prepare for NAGC. And we're really excited to hear what uh, you end up talking about at NAGC. So thank you, Brian, for being here with us today. Hey, you. Hey, you are so welcome. Thank you for um, thank you for having me. You can always um, find out more about uh, what I'm up to um, over on my website, which is at brianhausen.com. Also, uh, my plan for uh, for 2024 uh, is to be much more regular with my email newsletter. Uh, so you can sign up for that uh, over on the website as well. I call it Inside Brian's Brain. Mm-hmm. And it just is me kind of sharing a whole bunch of random things like we've done here in this podcast. That is so, great. We want to know you. what you are consuming before or when you produce. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> All right. So what are your takeaways, Jess? Well, I couldn't agree more with his kind of overarching, I don't know, mission of servicing gifted kids. Like we have to make lasting impressions on our students. It is a lifelong journey that they are in. So why not push them along their way at the beginning of their journey to Mm -hmm. help them understand that and to get them fueled and going for the future, right? Absolutely. And tap into all these potentials that they could have or help them, you know, open them up and start exploring those. And I like how you said we need to be consumers, but that's not the only thing we should be. And, you know, for ourselves as teachers, as humans, but also as our students, like help them be consumers, but then move that on to the next step and produce something, apply it in their lives somehow, some way that they can produce something to not only just show for what they've consumed, but also to just receive that input from others, that authentic audience, along with just leaving behind something. Like when we create this podcast, for example, we are leaving behind something because we are trying to make, you know, an impact in the gifted world. And I think that's something that our students need to 
be able to do. And it reminds me a lot of uh, one of our upcoming guests and her story, Austin Scholar, and what they do in her school of just having that masterpiece project where it's a passion project, but they are all finding their own way of leaving something behind, leaving that legacy while they have this season of life, senior year, really cool moment in time. And they're able to say, hey, this is what I'm showing for this time of my life. Yes. And just having educators and gifted teachers and anyone in the education field really look at education in a different way. And how can we truly push ourselves to kind of apply these things that Brian talked about today about, you know, creativity and curiosity without, I don't know, being so focused on state standards, but how can we incorporate it all together to just really light the fire in kids and make them want to be at school and excited to learn every single day? So we challenge you all as listeners to check out Brian's website, brianhausen.com. He has an incredible fun website. And he really lists everything that he already talked about with his speaking engagements and where he's been um, able to be one of, you know, keynotes over the course of many years, his different publications, but even more importantly, the courses that he offers. These are really great courses. They're incredibly cheap, um, very inexpensive. They're $59, and you're getting essentially six hours of coursework. So whether or not you need just HQPD hours, you just want to be informed about gifted kids or being a gifted person yourself, maybe you're a parent, um, anybody is welcome, gen ed teachers, They are just wonderful courses that you can take that will give you a lot of practical tips and tricks and activities for creativity and curiosity. Check it out. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Adventures in Being Gifted. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating, write a review, and tell all your friends too. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Being Gifted Pod and join us again next time for more adventures and being gifted.